Global bond markets have rallied strongly in the last day or so on growing hopes the Fed won't have to hike again. Global stocks are up solidly too, and so are the risky currencies, such as the Aussie and Kiwi dollar. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our final bonus deep dive interview of the week, ANZ's chief economist for Greater China, Raymond Yung, pays tribute to Li Keqian, the former premier of China, who died last week. His funeral was yesterday in Beijing. He was an economist and kept an eye on some very specific figures. For example, the electricity consumption, the uh, railway cargo flows, and also long growth. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, number one, the US 10-year Treasury bond yield has dropped as low as 4.62% after rallying very strongly in late trade on Thursday and again overnight. Remember that as recently as Wednesday, the 10-year bond yield was at 4.94%. That is a huge rally and came as the Fed held for a second month in a row. And after Fed Chair Jay Powell made comments interpreted as reassuring investors the U.S. economy could have a soft landing without a recession or the need for more rate hikes. Market expectations for a rate hike next month have softened since Powell's comments from 30% to under 20%. Those lower bond yields helped drive up stock markets overnight and lifted so-called risk commodity currencies against a weaker US dollar. The S&P 500 was up around 1.6%. At 5 o'clock Australian time, the Aussie dollar was firm at 64.2 US cents and the Kiwi was back up at 58.85 US cents although both are opening in Asian time zones off their overnight highs. Brent crude, it was up 1.4% at $87.25 US a barrel, and gold was flat at $1,989.6 US dollars an ounce. Number two, the sharp fall in bond yields is making stock investors happier, but the Fed may not be so thrilled because, as Jay Powell said yesterday, those higher bond yields and mortgage rates in the United States are doing a lot of the heavy lifting for the Fed in its fight to bring down inflation. There is a risk the bond market overdoes the rally, and the Fed has to look again at hiking short-term rates. Here's ANZ's Head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin. This is the conundrum that the market's going to have to work out in the next few weeks. Uh, Chair Powell made it very clear at the press conference that the tightening in financial conditions in the US, which includes higher bond yields, needs to be persistent if the Fed are not to raise interest rates again against the backdrop of strong economic growth. So in many ways, I think there's a bit of a floor under how far yields can fall. If yields fall too sharply, too quickly, and the data remains strong, well then that is going to put the potential for another rate rise from the FOMC back on the agenda. And we have seen uh, bond yields come back from their lows a bit in the last hour or so of trading. So as Brian says, the US 10-year yield, it's off its lows in late US trade. It's around about 4.67% at 5 o'clock Australian time. Number three, another central bank held rates overnight, the Bank of England. Brian says the BOE's decision to hold its policy rate at 5.25% for the second time in a row reflects its view on a weakening of consumer confidence and spending and some sharp falls in headline inflation that are coming in the next couple of months. However, they didn't take future rate rises off the table completely and they've left the door open. Uh, in particular, they pointed to high levels of 
wage growth, which they understand are running at around 7%. Um, they pointed to high levels of service inflation. And if these inflation pressures remain persistent in coming months, uh, they will have to take further action. Number four, South Korea's inflation figures yesterday were surprisingly strong. They've risen for the last three months. Here's ANZ Asia economist Crystal Tan. Food inflation led the way, but the pullback in core inflation has also been slower than expected. Price pressures look to be on the broad side. It's true that food, food prices have increased the most, but there's also month-on-month uh, rises in energy prices. Services inflation for the first time also ticked up in six months. So with prices looking a bit sticky, that's going to reinforce the central bank's hawkish stance. Number five. The last big piece of news in the global economy this week is US non-farm payrolls tonight. Brian says he's expecting jobs growth in October of around about 200,000, while the market expectation is for around about 180,000. Remember, that's down from the blockbuster 336,000 in September. Brian is watching out for revisions. If they come down, that would also be signalling slower labour market momentum. The risk is, of course, uh, that if the number comes in really quite strong, and if that is the case, well then... If bond yields are falling, but the data remain very strong, uh, then the Fed uh, might be in a position where it has to raise interest rates again. ANZ's Brian Martin there. Now it's time for our deep dive interview. Last week, China's former Premier, Li Keqiang, died unexpectedly at the age of 68. He was an economist who was seen as down-to-earth and a hands-on leader, sometimes described as the People's Premier. ANZ's chief economist for Greater China, Raymond Yung, has been tracking a measure of China's economic growth, named after the former premier. It wasn't conventional, but it was often seen as more reliable. We have uh, written a short research, research notes, you know, in honour uh, the late Li Keqiang, the ex-premier who got a sudden heart attack uh, last weekend. And um, he's got himself famous um, by... Uh, some sort of criticizing the national uh, statistics. Uh, he himself looked at um, three indicators. He, we, we got them, you know, a better measure of the economic uh, momentum, for example, the electricity consumption, the uh, railway cargo flows, and also loan growth. So many economists have been using uh, these three indicators to come up with their own version of Li Keqiang index. Now, uh, the, uh, this index has been uh, tracking the PMI very well, uh, even though that every month we received the PMI number earlier than uh, the uh, component factors of the Li Keqiang index. But obviously, we have seen some improvement of Li Keqiang index in the past few months, so it's very uh, similar to our, um, our reading of the PMI. But the whole point I'd like to make is that uh, because of some of the economic indicators released by the National Bureau of Statistics may not be totally reflecting the ongoing uh, economic uh, momentum and the activities level accurately. So uh, we need to observe more uh, or other indicators in in order to have a better gauge of uh, the economy. ANZ's Chief Economist for Greater China, Raymond Yung there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Friday, November the 3rd. Have a great weekend. Back on Monday morning with the detail from non-farm payrolls and a look ahead for the trading week in the Asia-Pacific and Australasia. Mm-hmm.
This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.